0: Welcome to Morty Vicar, our weekly podcast about culture, theology, and life, where James and I sit down and talk about a live issue and how we, as followers of Jesus, can respond. This week, we're talking about,
1: well, it's kind of Uganda, isn't it, Wayne? Yes. You're just back. You are wearing a hat
0: and a coat. We're freezing. I, I spent 12 days in an average of 28 degrees. Oh. Celsius, Celsius, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. now I'm back to 28 degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, so you were in Uganda. I was. Um, if people don't know, um, why were you there? So I am um, a trustee. I'm part of an organisation called SoMa, which is a an Anglican mission agency, but works. The idea is it's working about connecting up the whole of the church across the world, working with one another to strengthen um, how the Holy Spirit works. But, but. A, but, but together, so we ran a mission in Down and Drumore in Northern Ireland in May and brought a whole load of people from around the world to that. Um, and we've just done, a, there's been a trip to South Sudan, training the church and the Holy Spirit there. And I've just come back from southwest Uganda, where the diocese of South Renzori were running what they call the Great Mission. Yeah. And the aim was to speak to as many people about Jesus in six days as possible and to get them to convert. And they had trained at 1,700 or there thereabouts, local evangelists. Yeah, and in addition, um, they brought in a, a, another. F- they had another, I think, five hundred already in play, and then they brought in another five hundred from across Uganda, other places in Africa, and some of those was a soma team. So I was on a team made up of people from Ireland, the UK, um, Uganda, and Kenya. Which um, categories do you count yourself in? That well, I'm from Ireland, but I was the UK. <laughs> this is Wayne from the UK. <laughs> they would kept they kept saying, and I'd be like, No, I'm not. <laughs> It was interesting, the chaps we were with who were amazing from Ireland are Northern Irish Protestants, so they're very much like colonials like (laughs) me, but they kept telling everybody they were from Ireland.
1: So, in Uganda, how many people heard? So,
0: this is is one of the most unbelievably well-organised events I've ever been involved in. Over the course of six days, they think about 370,000 people heard the Gospel. There was... um, door-to-door, one-to-one evangelism for four hours. So, say that again,
1: how many people? 370,000. Yeah, 370,000. Just, just get used to it. Yeah, yeah. you sick. Yeah. Um,
0: every day for six days, except for the day yeah. that we went to the prayer mountain, that's yeah. another story. Uh, there were four hours in the morning yeah. in every parish. There's 200, yeah. something like 200 parishes, yeah. door-to-door evangelism for four hours. Yeah. And then in the afternoon, there were, across the whole diocese, 80 yeah. open air crusades six days a week. Yeah. And over the course of that period, 7,800 people gave their lives to Jesus. And amazing. this was the amazing thing. Yeah. Every time you went... Those Every time somebody gave their life to Jesus, whether it was in a crusade, and I saw like one of them where 60 people came forward, or a service, or just door-to-door, a name was taken, a phone number was taken, and follow-up has already started. Amazing. Next year, they're running a convention for, they're planning for 20,000 minimum, but hoping and praying for 30,000 of their last three or four years converts to come together in one place for a four-day discipleship convention. It just kind of blows your mind. Yeah and fills your heart so
1: um i'm just doing quick maths that's about a return of two percent yeah coming to faith Mm. which is i mean the the metrics sound amazing i'm like if seven thousand people came to faith that would blow people's minds in this city but that's still you know that is a lot of faithful obedience um in that setting that is not being received Mm. yes Okay, so yeah. just we'll just mark that. Um, we we wanted to um, start this podcast with um, a particular incident um, that that came to mind for you. So you get back from Uganda, um, and a couple of days later, you're watching James Massey. On um, a football pitch, on a football pitch, and um, you're just having a somebody a casual, comes, up, somebody comes chat. up to me
0: who's a Christian and who knows who I've been, and they said, "Tell me about Uganda." Uh, they said, "What was it like?" So I said, "Oh, it's all a bit like the Book of Acts, really." And they went, "Go on." So I told them stories, and the stories involved uh, demonic deliverance, um, healing, and super specific words of knowledge, uh, all of which kind of led to you know people coming to faith. So I'm saying, like, you know, what's your grid of reference for people's eyes? actually being changed when you see them healed or for deaf people complaining about the noise that they're now hearing after yeah. you prayed for them or for people coming to faith because you shared such a specific word of knowledge that they've become overcome by their sin and all the way through the guy uh, who I was primarily talking to was just like his eyes were wide open his jaw yeah. was on the floor yeah. and he was like wow amazing <laughs> also in the conversation were a couple of guys who don't come to church and wouldn't yeah. consider themselves christians and i can't remember exactly what happened when i finished telling the stories but one of them basically said oh Bristol rovers are they home or away today and it was almost like i can't remember what they did say but it was almost like i have just shared yeah. some of the bonkers most bonkers things yeah, that have yeah, ever yeah. happened mind-blowing mind-blowing and, mind blowing. and yeah. your response is to begin a whole other conversation yeah. and and i was just like oh and that was like and we want to
1: lean into that moment yeah. because not not to um, kind of uh, critique those particular individuals if they happen, happen to be listening. This isn't about them; it's about you know it could be anyone. It could, yeah. it could be um, uh, Christians listening in on that conversation and talking about Bristol Rovers at the end of it. But it but it's symptomatic of the kind of the jarring of the um, miraculous works of the Kingdom of God in a secular um, skeptical society
0: so so there's a couple of things i thought we've spoken about this kind of stuff before but there were the kind of the two things that kind of um played i think into like that fed into what happened in that moment and that lie behind it and there are hundreds of years of thinking so the person who made the comment about the football and not about miracles is it it, it, it's because they come at the end of two three hundred years longer than david hume yeah a uh, philosopher um, we, on miracles you yeah. know basically they don't happen um, and and it's it, it's that it's that mixture of what it is to be a post-christian society yeah so um not only do we not know anything about about the kingdom of God or the person of Jesus, um, but we don't want to, Yeah, which is the difference between a pre-Christian yeah. society. So closed because we've moved beyond Christianity. Yeah. And secondly, what it is to be, mean, I think I talked about this in one of the podcasts we did before, I did before I went away, what it is to be what philosophers call weird, as in from the West. So you yeah. know, the Western-educated, individualistic, rational, developed world that we live in means that, that actually we, we don't have a metric for the miraculous. No. Um, and, and, and therefore you think, oh, well, because we don't have a metric for the miraculous when it breaks in, yeah. we must, we'd all be surprised yeah, yeah, by yeah. it. But actually we're not. yeah And then also the Bible tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Yes. Um, so I shouldn't have been surprised because of thinking about the, the effect of the Enlightenment, the effect of Western... Um, industrialized, educated culture for a couple of hundred years, and because of what the Bible tells me about what the devil is doing. Yeah. But in the same time, I was completely shocked because I basically was, you know, I've, I've been living in I've been living in like the kingdom of God for twelve days, and everybody was like going amazing. Yeah. And suddenly there was this person who was just like, yeah, whatever. So I remember talking
1: to somebody who was a member of one of our congregations. It's probably the most traditional of the the ones that we've had, and um, the the. Kind of the least faith-filled, um, and they would have said that about themselves as a congregation. And um, and this lady said, basically described a near-death experience. Um, with it that she'd had, and, and encountering God in that moment, and with a kind of a tear in her eye, said, "You know, you can people can tell me what what they think about the world, but you you can't take that away from me." So so you've had this experience of Uganda with all of this miraculous stuff, but actually there are plenty of people who have had divine encounters in ways that have marked them for life, and they don't know how to talk about them. And they don't know how to engage with the the clashing of the the faith miraculous culture of the kingdom with the secular society that we live in today and so the purpose of this podcast is not just to regale stories of uganda but for us to unpick how
0: we do that so so if i go back to i I said i went away with uh, an organization called soma but um, it's a real joy for me to have been released by this church to be part of that organisation and the soma soma was started at the Lambeth conference which is where all the bishops from the whole of the anglican communion worldwide gather yeah. roughly every 10 years 1979 uh, a group of evangelical charismatics, so spirit-filled bishops, yeah. gathering and praying, and they're asking the Lord what he wants them to do. And he gives them this specific word. He says, I need you to tend to the nervous system of the body of Christ. Mm. And out of that grew Soma, which exists in South Africa and uh, Rwanda and the UK and Ireland yeah. and New Zealand, Australia, the, yeah. um, the US as well. And the key thing that Soma is about, it is not about... Um, educated westerners going to the global south to teach theology that does happen nor is it about bringing people from the global south to the west to experience the west but it is about in it is about the person and the work of the holy spirit empowering the church wherever the the church is receiving so much. and so one of the things is that is that these stories that we hear about that are happening around the world so actually um Ron, who who works for us here at BNA, who also works at Open Doors. I mean, there are story after story, and I heard these again in Uganda because they have a Muslim population of, of, of Jesus meeting Muslims in dreams yeah. and people conversing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that around the world, yeah. God is on the move. And um, uh, and and there's th- one of the things we can do is we can share those stories. But the other thing is is we can do is we can connect with that church, and then we can bring those stories back and then begin to step into the faith and expectation of those stories here for us so back to your lady in that other congregation is the the interesting thing that i think would have changed the dynamic dynamic is if uh that conversation was happening and i was with somebody who was saying and then i got prayed for and this happened to me or Mm. I and and it's and so it's not that yeah. So I think the person who was like, mm, a Bristol Rover's playing Home Away today was they were hearing stories from a far off land. Yeah. Um, which sounds kind of like the Marvel yeah, Universe. Yeah. And so mm, yeah. whereas actually if, if in front of them was a changed life. Yeah. And actually the, what you basically said is what we do know um, is that even in post Christendom and even in the Weird West, God is changing lives. Yes. And that's the thing that we need to
1: pursue. Yeah, so so we want faith to catch. We want it to transmit from person to person as they begin to understand and believe who God is and um, the spirit of testimony is the spirit of yeah. prophecy the book of revelation tells us and basically what that means is, is that if i can testify to what god has done and speak it out um, then somebody else can receive that faith and it can be an encouragement to them for them to believe what they might not otherwise have believed that god
0: can do yeah. and therefore they don't miss out on what god might want to do in their lives so a um <laughs> a really dear friend of mine who died a few years ago who was one of the most amazing i think clergymen of the kind of back half of the 20th century in the uk yeah. Uh, once he said, "I would like to teach you how to give an evangelistic talk." <laughs> uh, the next, and so I went to see him, and he, he gave me the outline of an evangelistic talk. But I, always, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because remember he, he began. He goes, "Now, how to begin an evangelistic talk?" He said, "How to begin telling somebody about Jesus." He kind he said, um, "He said when I was working, he said well, I always began with with a drama." he said, but actually, when I read the Bible, he said, I find it's far more profound and far better if you begin with a miracle. <laughs> and then he laughed to himself. and He said, I'm not sure I had the faith for that, so I settled for drama. And then he looked at me and he said, but you look faith-filled. He said, I pursue miracles. Now, now, what he alluded to was something a man called John Wimber called power evangelism, which yeah. a lot of people kind of roll their eyes at. But yeah. actually, if the kingdom of God breaks through, and in yeah. the Gospels, this is what happens again and again with Jesus. Yeah. When the kingdom of God breaks through, remember Jesus says it's fallen in step with us, and something happens that everybody that if you are there and if you see it, you have to go what's gone on. Yeah. It brings the opportunity for gospel proclamation. And as you've alluded to, not everybody will get saved. Yes. So I met somebody once at a wedding who told me, well, I told them what church I worked for. And they told me that they were alive because the curate of that church in 1968 had gone into the children's hospital in Bristol and, had, and they were a baby that was supposed to die and had prayed for their healing. And the yeah. doctors had come back and said, we don't know what's happened. We seem to have got it wrong. This child will live. And this person with tears in their eyes told me, and they named the guy, Terry Kelshaw, prayed for my healing and I'm alive because of that. And then I said, oh, where'd you go to church? And they said, well, I don't. And that's <laughs> yeah. the bit
1: we... we uh, ha- and, it's, and that is heartbreaking. Um, Jesus says in, um, he he deals with that in Matthew 11, verse 20 onwards. We, you know, we like the bit after this where, where it says, you know, my yoke is easy and my, my burden is light. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. But the bit before it, he's basically saying woe to cities that um, have heard but, and have seen you know capernaum um uh you know y- you have seen the miracles but you've not repented um and and so there's a there's a there's a sadness because there is a knowledge that actually those who experience the breaking of the kingdom but don't repent actually are, are, are in a heap of trouble
0: so to recap because w- w- we're going to move into Pastor christendom we're in post christendom and in post christendom mm. we are we're rational we're overly educated, and we've turned in on ourselves. Mm. Carl Truman says that. Um, because of that, because of the Enlightenment, we don't really have a metric for um, the spiritual, yeah, and for the and for the miraculous. Yeah. and we don't have an expectation that God is going to break in. Yeah. Now what? we then do tend to then do as church in the West is is beat ourselves up about how hard it all is to be church in the West. So I had a conversation with somebody in Uganda where they asked me about my church. And I said, oh, God's really at work here. We've seen about one person come to faith every month this year. Yeah. And they looked at me And like you're they, thinking, that's great. They were so <laughs> sorry for yeah. me. Yeah. But yeah. interesting enough, they then said, oh, but we've got the problem. We don't have to disciple people because yeah. there's so many and they keep yeah, coming yeah, yeah. to faith again and again. But, but we kind of go in the West, oh. But actually, the... The, the challenge is to say if the kingdom of God is breaking in, he is, it is breaking in, in in the post-Christian West yes just as much as it's breaking in in the yeah. pre-Christian or Christianized um, global sect. Yeah. And then there's a couple of things. so I think of a story of Smith Wigglesworth, who was a, uh, a, revi- a Pentecostal revivalist in, yeah. in England in the early 20th century. And he, he was once quoted as saying, if the Spirit isn't moving in a meeting, I will move him. And somebody said, he was brilliant. You can take that out of context. But what he meant is you turn up in a meeting and, you know, there's, pe- there's worship going on, there's mm. people speaking, and you just get the sense that the Spirit of God isn't moving. And then you realize that even though everybody there is a Christian, nobody's making space for the Spirit yeah. of God to land. Yeah. And what he was saying is, I will be the person for whom the Spirit yeah. alights. And if you think about Jesus, that's the, the Spirit comes down at the baptism. And the, yeah. the, Lord, the Father says, this is my son, with whom I'm well pleased, and then after that, it just all kicks off. Yeah. All, and all the spirit needs is one person who is open to him and open to his the spirit's agenda, and then it all kicks off. And the the, the the task of the church in 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 the hard places is to be that to be. If the spirit isn't moving in culture, I will be the one he moves upon. Um, and it's what we see going on another tangent, but the people we stayed with in Uganda had, had been adults under the Idi Amin regime, and Idi Amin was a Muslim, and he'd basically banned I love this, he'd banned all Christian denominations except for, <laughs> except for the Anglicans, because we're, <laughs> we're safe yeah. um, but they, they, he told stories about the underground church, about him losing his job in the civil service because he was a Christian, and then he kind of smiled and said discipleship was easy yeah. and we know, th- you know um, so actually in hard places we know that the spirit um, moves quite often in history powerfully and you and I were thinking about Mark chapter 6. Yes. James, tell us what happens in Mark chapter 6. So Mark six. chapter
1: 6, um, uh, Jesus, it says um, the subtitle, which is never in the actual text, by the way, so be careful of, of those subtitles because sometimes they, uh, they don't actually help us. Um, more often than not, they do. A prophet without honour, it says. Um, and it's about um, Jesus um, teaching in a synagogue, and um, and people asking about his identity. Was he is this not is this Mary's son? Isn't this the son of the uh, is this the carpenter, the brother of James, Joseph, Jesus, and Simon, um, and aren't his sisters here with us? And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not with, is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home it says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them he was amazed at their lack of
0: faith now this is the bit that kind of like if i was the lord i wouldn't do this but <laughs> because actually but actually um the lord has called us into his church hmm and when you look at where in history you see either revivals yeah. or you see the miraculous uh, or you see periods of grace and people coming to faith you will find a church that isn't struggling with a lack of faith yeah and we are not into works based righteousness no. no 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 but we no. But, but for We're some, saved by grace through faith but for some strange reason god has decided to work with the church and yeah. so and so and, and actually i in the West, we, even some of the most, as we would see ourselves, faithful people, rationalize stuff away. I remember talking to somebody who was diagnosed with MS 40-something years ago. Yeah. The elders of that church had come around, anointed that person with oil, as it says in the book of James, prayed mm. for their healing, and they'd gone into relapse. Mm. And they'd, uh, they'd gone into remission. And they'd never had an MS relapse since. Mm. I said, you were healed. Their response was, well, MS can go into automatic remission, so I don't mm. know. Now, they could be correct. Yeah. But the fact that over 40 years had never come back yeah, give Jesus the glory. yeah, and, and I love that person dearly. But it's that sense that sometimes in the West we, we kind of explain everything away. Yeah. Um, what, and, and the more we explain everything away, the less faith we have. Yeah. And the less faith and the less expectation we have, the less likely we are, and it's back to your stats, the less likely we are to tell 370,000 people the gospel expecting about 8,000 to come yeah. to faith. And so then we don't tell two people and nobody comes to faith and then we go, you see, it doesn't work. Yeah. and And what Jesus... Is always looking for is a church that has a faith and an expectation that he is at work.
1: Yes. And that his kingdom will break in. Yes. So as I keep saying, one of the reasons we do this podcast is because we have experienced people coming to a belief in Jesus and then assimilating that belief in Jesus into their Western liberal worldview. And then when Jesus starts telling them things that they don't like, they face choices to whether they're going to shave off the bits they don't like about what Jesus says or they're going to ditch their Western worldview and allow Jesus to become their worldview. And we recognize that in 20 minutes on a Sunday... Um, we're not going to change people's worldviews, um, and we don't get to go to the depth that we can in um, a podcast like this. Um, so we, we've been running Morty Vicar for the last three and a half years because we want to help people to understand the importance of a Christian worldview. Now, if you have a, uh, a Western worldview, you've got to understand that that has its genesis in greek philosophy which splits the physical and spiritual Mm -hmm. which is very different to an eastern and a southern worldview which holds the physical and the spiritual together much more closely so we have that in our so we have that in our um, our history, it's downloaded onto our mainframe as Westerners without us even realising it. So we're naturally, everyone is naturally sceptical about the relationship between the physical and the spiritual. Um, and then when you get philosophers like David Hume coming along and saying that miracles essentially don't happen, and then all of those things that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, basically what it does is it drives a wedge even further between the physical and the spiritual so that we don't actually believe that miracles can happen. So we're, we're kind of left with this kind of residue of, of a, 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 not a residue, we're left with this worldview that just predisposes us not just not to believe this stuff. And what we're what we're inviting everyone to do is to say, actually, if Jesus is your worldview, then what happens in the Gospels, what happens in Acts is what he can do. And so we face a choice between being the guy to one side of you who says what what's happening with Bristol Rovers this afternoon where are they Mm. playing or the person whose mouth is their jaw is just dropping and their mouth is opening in in amazement at the stories that you're sharing and we can choose to say actually we're going to lean into that and we're going to believe that God can do that and so we're going to um, allow him to raise our faith so that actually we can choose to live as disciples who, who don't believe that miracles are going to happen all the time, don't believe that every person we invite to church is going to come, don't believe that every person we share the gospel um, uh, with is going to respond to Jesus, but we're going to do it because we believe that this is what the kingdom is like. And um, and so uh, uh, we're, we're going to choose to live our lives like that.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's that, it's Einstein, you could live your life like nothing's a miracle, like everything's a miracle. Um, and it's that bit where... Um, Jesus is he he turns our hearts and our worlds and our identities upside down. We mm. we understand who we are in a completely different way. Yeah. Um he he does this like if you are if you come to faith pro, you know in Uganda and you're a disciple he does that within your culture just a very different way to how he does yeah. it in the west. But in the west it, it's it it kind of it's a it's a it's a slightly head-wrecking, eye-opening experience to really step into following Jesus. Um, it's the way of taking up your cross and sacrifice, but it's also it's the way of seeing stuff happen um that the culture we are part of doesn't believe can happen. But there's the church in the West. Like, we have so many stories in the church in the West, and we just kind of keep parking them. Yeah. You know, and stories and miracles happen in all sorts of ways. I think of the guy who a guy I know from my last church who should be dead because of something that happened to his heart. He got picked up by the ambulance and they took him to the wrong hospital. Yeah. And at the wrong hospital, a doctor turned up who was from the right hospital. Who whilst everybody was misdiagnosing this guy and probably and accidentally leading to his death because of the symptoms, the world expert in what the guy had happened to walk by, overhear a conversation, step in and go, "Can I? Can I?" Do you mind? And it saves this guy's life. And, and this guy's a Christian. He says, and to this day, he says, I don't know what that guy was doing in the hospital. And when I asked him later on, he said, "Oh, I wasn't supposed to be there. I just went yeah. up to see someone. Just yeah. happened to walk behind you. That's a miracle." Yeah. But we in the West go, "Oh, wasn't he lucky?" No, <laughs> you know. And and yet you can sort you can yeah. you'll lay that against other people who has who we know who have died. Yeah. But but it's, it's that it's that Einstein thing. If you're are you, if you're looking for the miracles, they're everywhere.
1: Yes. Um. So one of the things we need to um, hold together is a theology of healing and a theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and the New Testament doesn't tell us that everyone's going to get healed. Um, the miracles are miracles. Um, uh, and um, and actually, we know that the, the disciples are invited into a life of suffering and persecution. Um, so this isn't a podcast to say, believe that, Um, the Lord is going to heal everyone you pray for, believe that suffering is no longer going to happen for you, persecution, it can be avoided. That's not the message here. The message here is that God can work in extraordinary and amazing ways. um, And we in the West um, have um, closed ourselves off from that part of his character um, steadily over hundreds of years and we, as a, a massive privilege as part of um, a church where we've got someone who's been out um, in Uganda on a mission where amazing things have been happening. We have a choice now. Um, if you're not part of BNA, you have a choice wherever you are to to lean in and to listen to these stories of where God's kingdom is breaking in. And do we receive it with skepticism or do we receive it with faith and lean in and say, actually, if I pray for 10 people and one person gets healed, that's one person who gets healed. And so I'm going to pray for 10 because the one person who gets healed is worth it.
0: And when you invite someone to church, when you ask somebody if you can pray for them, or when you share the gospel of Jesus with somebody, there's only one thing that is not happening in their life, and that's nothing. Hmm.
1: Thank you for listening.